Hello and welcome to Film Optimist, where we talk about all things film with a hefty dose of optimism. I'm your co-host, Seth Boyd. I am Megan Tierney. And we are talking about one of the true auteurs, one of the great American filmmakers, I'm going to go ahead and say it, of all time. <laughs> Definitely one of the most influential um, filmmakers, Quentin Tarantino, in his second film, which I'm going to argue is his most iconic, but we'll get into that, Pulp Fiction. Here to join us for this conversation are Garrett Duello and Michael Grego. What's up, guys? Hey, guys. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah, happy to be here. So I don't want to pretend you guys necessarily chose this as the single movie. You guys gave us a couple of options to come on the show with. But why Pulp Fiction? You know, as of those options, why was that among the options for you guys before we dive into it? What does it mean to you, et cetera? Well, I kind of like what you said about how iconic it is. And for me personally, it's almost like nostalgic. It was kind mm-hmm. of giving my foot into the pool of Tarantino's talent, I guess. I believe it came out in like 95, 96. I, I remember as a child seeing it on Laserdisc in my house. Wow. Uh, yeah. That dates you know, Laserdisc. If you know what Laserdiscs yeah. are, then, then that's pretty, you're kind of dating yourself a little bit. <laughs> but um, no, and then there was just like that that iconic poster of Uma Thurman with the cigarette mm-hmm. on the bed. Um, I mean, it's Which on... uh, Michael has a t-shirt, the Japanese poster of, which... <laughs> We'll have to get a photo uh, when we post this because it's True. a great fucking t-shirt. But yeah, um, great, great poster. Yeah, and then, and then when I think back in the time period that the movie was out, a lot of the stars in this film were stars that I watched growing up. Um, and to see them all in one feature was just kind of unique and like beyond me at that time. Does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I, may, I was young. I was in my single digits, but I, I was able to comprehend what's going right. on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Michael, same question. Yeah, it's um, for, I'm a little younger than Garrett. I'd like to tell him that. <laughs> um, but I watched this movie young, and it's to me it was funny. It's a comedy on violence, sex, and drugs, right? Mm-hmm. And you don't get that too often. And Tarantino, especially, I mean, his his nonlinear storytelling, which inspired like you know, Christopher Nolan, and he's brought that up with mm-hmm. Memento and Prestige, which I think is Nolan's best film. But there, there's so many components to this. I mean, it's it's definitely his masterpiece. Garrett and I were talking about favorite movies. His was Inglorious Bastards. Mm, or, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And to me, I'm a little biased. I think this one is because of the cast. I mean, you you can't find a cast like this. Yeah. Um, and a lot of them actually took a pay cut to be in this movie. Mm. They worked it out where yeah. it was successful. They would they'd get more money, but. I mean, the four the four stories that are told, um, all of them are entertaining. There's not one that kind of slouches. They're all good. Uh, and then just the acting. The acting yeah. is top notch. Fantastic. And, and Megan, you watched nice. this for the first time last night, correct? A little bit this morning, but yes. A little bit this yes. morning, okay. It's a long one. Yeah. I always like asking this question. Like, Did you have an expectation that was not met or that was, was there a surprise in watching this movie for the first time for being so iconic, so famous? Uh, I agree with the iconicism of it because this is the poster that I saw this is like what you associate I think with Tarantino a lot and Mm -hmm. you kind of get a gist of who he is with the titles of like it's about sex drugs like violence also like which I will be excited to talk about because that's kind of the take that I had uh, or the bias I would say I had going into him is like thinking that he's about comedic violence like that's kind of his thing and this one had that for sure but I think I was more struck by um I forgot also just what a 
interesting like writer he is I think the writing was very and I don't know if this is more a Tarantino thing or the actors thing or both of them together but everything felt so like uh pitch perfect to the actors and like they said it so I don't know I, I, it didn't feel like contrived at all it was a little fantastical I would say and that's kind of fun nowadays I think film tries to be really realistic now or like writing tries to be really realistic but it's fun to have these really like grandiose like speeches and and um fantasy speakings kind of mm -hmm. to see in film and that was that felt like a lost art that I got to see again with this movie so and I think that's um from what I've seen other uh, like other films of Tarantino it's a that could be a signature of his as well so uh, and I think it's really like on display in this one that's what I was like most struck by very cool mm -hmm. yeah I I think that's all I, I love hearing uh, what the movie means to everybody. It's it's really fun. I th I think it is one of my favorites, but not my favorites. But it, it's just so fucking fun um, to watch. It never to me drags, and yeah, it's just it's a movie I can probably put on any day that we could be pretty happy watching. Mm -hmm. Let's go around the horn here. Favorite and least favorite Tarantino movie. Garen, Michael, do one of you want to start? I'll start. Here. Yeah, 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 you can go. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, my favorite would be Pulp Fiction. Okay. Uh, my least favorite would be Death Proof. Okay. Which is still a good movie, but that would be my least favorite. For me, I'm a I'm a big World War II buff. Um, mm. I did listen to your guys' episode on Jojo Rabbit. Great job. I liked, Thank you. I, I, I absolutely adored that Thank movie. You. Thank you. And you guys brought on some points that I didn't even notice. Uh, but we don't, we're not talking about that right now. Uh, <laughs> we love the positive feedback, though, so thank you. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> now, and, and Glorious Bastards, for me, I love World War II. I grew up watching uh, Band of Brothers and Saving Private uh, yeah. Ryan. Um, and uh, just Quentin Tarantino's take on dismantling the Nazi party from with like a small group of uh, vigilantes, I guess you could call them. I really, I really liked that. I liked, and Christopher Walton, that is standing ovation. Yeah, like, that's insane. Absolutely. Um, that's a new then, like era of Tarantino's when he met Waltz. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Because Django's not far behind. Uh, even though mm. some people don't like that much but um but then my least favorite which i thought some people would have issues with is i didn't care for kill bill very much okay um it was a little excessively gory mm -hmm. and kind of unrealistic speaking of unrealistic situations and like i don't know like the way that everyone got decapitated and, right. and just uh a lot of the dialogue and the way it looked um like I appreciate the anime culture, but I just don't really follow it that well. Mm. Um, I love all nerd, nerdum, nerdum. But um, <laughs> yeah, so for me, Kill Bill was like as much as I love it with Thurman. It was just a little excessive, mm -hmm. uh, and I felt like Pulp Fiction and Glorious Bastards, Django Unchained. There was just a little more of a realistic historical aspect to it. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, my my favorite Inglorious for sure, and then my least favorite would have to be Kill Bill. Okay, cool. I fully see where you're coming from. And I, I will say, like, well, I do have at least Raven here in a second. I don't think he's made a bad movie. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Totally, they've totally. always been fascinating. Megan, you're up. As always, I'm the <laughs> imposter among us, you guys, because I have seen by far the least amount. But again, like, I, he's such a, like, he really is an icon, like Tarantino. So we, you kind of get the gist of it, just being in the zeitgeist of America, I guess. But mm. I mean, I had seen like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, his most recent movie, and I and I did like it um, quite a bit. I was going to go with Garrett too. Like I was really impressed with, uh, for me, Jang uh, Django Unchained, because like, I think I like his voice in a more, um, that movie felt a little like, almost like parody aspect of it or satirical, which I like, mm -hmm. but also very pointed, 
violence against something that like an enslaved person like revolting against their slave order that's an that's a cathartic i would say like way to see this like egregious violence so that's kind of why but I, I remember being quite like young when i saw it too but i remember like i think that's that maybe is a nostalgic factor for all of us too is like seeing this level of violence for the first time maybe in film for, in our era growing up and being kind of struck by it and i certainly was so that's kind of my pick i was actually probably going to recommend that like as my recommendation toward the end Perfect. Um, but that's kind of just my my knowledge about it. But uh, Pulp Fiction was a great um, again, and I I actually didn't know it was his second movie, which you mentioned, Seth. So that's a big like eye opener to me and how uh, talented, just talented this guy is. Um, yeah, because I was really impressed with this one as well. So you don't have a least favorite? I don't. I okay, I'm not well versed enough. <laughs> if anyone's gonna be off the hook, it's the co-host. Right. <laughs> my favorite is Jackie Brown. I think that might be a little more controversial pick, but I, I really love Jackie Brown. It's by far his slowest one because it's the only one not based off a Tarantino original story. It's based off a Leonard Elmore novel. And so it is paced more like a novel, but it is to me maybe his most grounded because at the end of the day, it's about a middle-aged woman who really can't afford to lose her job. And so is cooperating in a very dangerous way. So it has a, a more grounded thing than most of his movies have. And it has... Um, Samuel Jackson, it has Pam Greer, it has Robert Forrester. De Niro was really great as this like kind of schlubby second fiddle, uh, more of a muscle type of character than the mastermind or the guy who's in charge to Samuel Jackson. So recommend that one. And my least favorite is actually Hateful Eight. Um, I don't think Hateful Eight's bad by any means, but it just, the whole, we're in one place this whole time thing felt like repeating himself from Reservoir Dogs a little too much for me. It was really fun to see a lot of the cast they hadn't worked with in a while or before. Like, um, it was fun to see Tim Roth again. Fun to see Jennifer Jason Lee, I think, for the first time. But, I don't know, to me, just didn't really, again, not bad by any means. I saw the 70 millimeter showing of that in theaters, and I'm, I still have the booklet from that. But just didn't really cross new territory. As far as I was can concerned. I, can I piggyback off that stuff? Of course, of course. That's for, all for Jackie Brown, I mean, if we could go into some of the ways he decides the actors, I mean, mm. he's did you did you want, listen to the uh, Segura podcast? I did, yes. So it's really interesting, especially with Jackie Brown and Pam Greer. Everybody told him no for her, and she killed mm. that role. And it's the yeah. same with Travolta. They wanted um, it was Matt Dillon to play Travolta in Pulp Fiction. Yeah, and I think it, this is one of Travolta's best performances, opposed to um, Blowout. I think it was yeah. 1981. He was in Blowout. I don't know if you've seen that. You know, I haven't. I've I've seen the uh, British Italian movie that Blowout's a remake of, okay. uh, or a new adaption of. I shouldn't say full on remake. So I really want to see it. I haven't seen it yet, but okay. Um, keep going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. No, I think it's just um, for him. As I mean, this was his second film. And yeah. I know with Fincher, when he did Alien 3, I don't know if that was his first or second film either, but he only, he even said he did like a third of that movie. It was on him. Right. The rest, producers took over, you know, the head honcho said, oh no, we're going to do it this way. So for Tarantino in a second film to kind of coordinate his own cast mm -hmm. and he didn't change any dialogue, everything is original, I think is, it speaks to him. Absolutely. And I, you know, Fincher's a great person to, get, to bring up. I think Tarantino's even brought him up as a contemporary because he made the someone was asking why he hasn't made as many movies as like, I write them all, I'm heavily involved in them all. Yeah, right. And he said, like, David Fincher is gonna make more movies than me by the end of the day. Yes, yeah. he doesn't. Um, and I, you know, there's Fincher movies I really like. There's ones that I think are missteps. He does not have the same curated career 
And uh, even directors who I love, like Nolan or even David Lynch, don't have that curated, perfect career where they're that heavily involved getting final cut, everything in every movie. Yeah. Um, cast has come up a couple of times. Is there, outside of this movie, an actor who, in general, you're really a big fan of, and so it's great to see them in this? It's nice to see John Travolta again. Yeah. I actually watched Pulp Fiction today. Um, oh, okay. <laughs> Doing the assignment. I just forgot how great he was. I love his charisma. I love uh, the way he presents himself. And I feel like him and Uma Thurman had some chemistry there that was just like so on point, mm-hmm. especially in the diner. And as much as there was hesitation to dance, right when he's on that dance floor, they just like are so in sync. Yeah, it just... uh it was nice to see, and I always love Samuel Jackson in all of his movies mm-hmm. with Tarantino. Uh, he just cracks me up. But John Travolta is a, a name and somebody you don't see. Like, a lot of uh, Tarantino recycles a lot of his actors for a reason because he loves them. Right. And I don't think, am I tripping? Tra- Travolta's not in another one. He's not. It, no, he's yeah. a weird kind of outlier because I think he's also, people also say, like, oh, Tarantino loves reviving careers. And I don't think you can say that he did that with anybody in Reservoir Dogs. I think, like, you know, Steve Buscemi had not had been in movies before his career was hardly revitalized. He was still like in his twenties. Right. You know, maybe Harvey Keitel, but uh, Travolta, as as I brought up on the podcast, you mentioned is it Two Bears One Cave, where um, uh, Tarantino's filling in tells a little bit of the backstory of making Pulp Fiction. Travolta's last movie was not a very big hit, you know, uh, especially compared to Bruce Willis, who was still a superstar. Correct. Um, internationally so i think that is the first person who he like really revitalized although i don't think he did that much with it to his misfortune <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah making this kind of interesting we've we didn't plan this but this is our second movie we've done of a guy's second film and a tour yeah after our Memento episode. and in both cases you know widely uh, different movies but they had so much more momentum and so much more clout to do whatever so Absolutely. that pretty much carried them through with uh, with Pulp Fiction. So yeah, yeah. For me, for me in particular, and it's I think it's more towards Tarantino because he does it with a lot of a lot of his films. Is I, I really like his transitions with the titles. It's mm. it reminds me of uh, seeing a play, like on oh, stage. Yeah. Oh, it's, okay. it's it's almost like the end of an act. Like act act one's over. They're bringing an act two, and there's a bit of a title to it, and yeah. it doesn't necessarily have to pick up where that scene just ended. Um, right. He kind of like juggles around to like another storyline. He has he has like four stories going on at once. And when one something significant happens in story one, story two comes in. And then when something significant happens in story two, story three comes in, only to bring back story one. And you're like, I recognize that guy. I recognize this scene. Like, what's going on? Um, so I kind of like his ability to just kind of like go from scene to scene. Um, I like that he does what he wants. I think as somebody growing up watching films, for some reason, car scenes, I'm always kind of viewing the background. Mm. And Tarantino, <laughs> like, I think nowadays, they're a lot better with it. I don't know if it's all green screen. I feel like it's not. I feel like they just have new mounting technology and audio pickups. But um, and, and all of the car scenes, I noticed that it was it was blatantly obvious that they're not driving. And uh, But this scene, that didn't take away from, like, the magnitude of the scene itself, mm-hmm. from when he's talking to the cab driver, to when um, Samuel Jackson and, and, and Travolta are, are talking in their cars about like life or religion or how yeah. to clean up the brain of somebody that just got shot in the back <laughs> of the car. I like that he just kind of does what he wants with the editing. His script and dialogue is always so good and he, he doesn't mm-hmm. pander or censor himself to, I don't know, to 
to the more conservative side of civilization, sure. you could say. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. um, instead of like wanting to appease a broad audience, he's like, you come to my movies for for me. For I, I'm I'm putting <laughs> out what I want you to see, whether you appreciate it or not, doesn't matter. Money's coming in and people let me do what I want. And I think that's kind of part of his appeal. On that note of that, have you seen the video of him accepting the Palm d'Or at the Cannes Film Festival for Pulp Fiction? No, I haven't. He's no. being booed and he's flipping people off. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, a, a movie we've referenced on here, the Three Colors trilogy from the Polish director, uh, Christoph, read the last movie in this was the favorite to win. It's a great movie and I really love it. Uh, but everyone kind of assumed it's going to win and then this American comes out of nowhere to the Cannes Film Festival in France, the most prestigious film festival, and is literally being booed, just middle fingers up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Acceptance speech, and it's maybe Pink Tarantino as, uh, as was, his attitude. That's a I good mean, metaphor for like who he is, or just mm-hmm. like the, the style of the film, too. And that's his, how he like, should be painted. Uh, his filmic style, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, he doesn't, it just shows in his personality and how he presents himself, like he's a self-made man. He, mm-hmm. he started from literally the bottom of being a video store clerk right. to <laughs> directing movies and being the most wanted director. No, I don't know if he is technically the most wanted director because I'm sure there's he's stubborn. He seems like a stubborn person. Sure. But uh, he built he built that for himself. So it's just really impressive. It is. It, it is truly inspiring. You know, there, there's definitely a scenario where he became a director, not Tarantino, where he just would be doing you know, speed two or whatever. He, 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 yeah, 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 um, yeah. Very particular. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, Which, you know, if, if we're not on the same page here, he, um, like you said, he worked at the video store and he was able to make Reservoir Dogs because he sold two screenplays. He sold uh, True Romance and Natural Born Killers. And then Harvey Keitel read the script for Reservoir Dogs and it went from being a budget of like $20,000 to a million dollars. So, um, wow. But yeah, it's it, it's crazy how many people really want to work with him. Like he had that um, episode he sent me has so many stories of Bruce Willis was like, I can't believe my agent didn't find out about Reservoir Dogs. I know James Woods fired his agent because his agent threw right. Reservoir Dogs in the trash. And there's all these stories that keep coming up about Reservoir Dogs and Pulp Fiction in particular. You know, these two, who is this guy? <laughs> and then, you know, it's something that's come up, I think from a few people here is how great his writing is. And it's interesting to note he has won two Oscars and both are for writing. He has been nominated, but he's never won an Oscar for directing. And it's odd to me, but do you think, does that in any way affect your view of him? Is he more of a writer than a director? Yeah, you know what? Actually, I have a problem with that. So for mm. Pulp Fiction was in 94 and right. I watched all the movies and all the nominations and Forrest Gump won it that year mm. as mm-hmm. director. Not a big Forrest Gump film because I feel like they took that from Pulp Fiction. Mm. Um, and I thought either Travolta or Sam Jackson should have got Best Actor over Tom Hanks and Forrest Gump. Right. I do think he deserves, I'm trying to think of the years. I know for sure 94, he should have got it for Pulp Fiction. Mm. I think his mm. other Best Oscar writing scheme plays for Django. That was 13? I'm trying to remember. Yeah. I, I assume he was nominated for Inglorious Bastards. He was. I Okay, to me, that story is... And the directing is better than Pulp Fiction, but I'm biased. I would agree. I mean, that, that's also like, it is a more mature director, you know? Uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, like you have a guy who at that point made, what, six movies rather than yeah. two. So him and, um, I'm a big Paul Thomas Anderson fan as well. And they are they are friends. And there was a, a video of Tarantino talking about 
Inglorious Bastards, and he said like he really felt like he had to step his game up after seeing There Will Be Blood. Oh. So he said, if you think Inglorious Bastards is better than my previous movie, which was Death Proof, thank yeah. Paul Thomas Anderson. So, oh wow! Okay. Yeah. <laughs> An interesting, friendly rivalry they have. That's um, awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Which I, I loved. I mean, like those are two of my favorite directors. So, two great ones. So, for yeah, sure. exactly. Two great people are striving to encourage each other to make even better work i as the consumer here i'm pretty happy so it's it, same <laughs> feelings mutual so megan we really only have three maybe four female characters in this movie sure. so mm -hmm. you are the woman in the room here <laughs> how, how do you feel about um uma thurman everyone else in this the fabian character how does that work for you well that's a good Thing to mention too is like i think i went into or i go into tarantino thinking that he's kind of a guy's director and has mm. a bit of a male skew not a male i don't think a male gaze necessarily i think it's just like male skewed film sure but this was a i don't i find it like not especially in pulp fiction i i would say that it like turned that on its head for me because i feel like it was more um impressive to me like the the characters as a whole working together kind of thing I think that it, funnily enough this one felt a little sweet or like kind of like um there, there's like a childness a ch like a childlike quality to the writing mm. to the relationships um mixed with a lot of like abusive nature and stuff like that and violence right. of course but um there is still something there that's like kind of innocent and like tampered down by relationships and like um yeah. marriages even or like these people care about the the perception of of like normal society i would say or something like that so that like seeing it through that lens too was was fun for me um i think the i mean uma therm is awesome she's very she's uh, commanding yeah. i would say mm -hmm. and like i can Again, just I agree, with Michael, that the choices of like these actors are just incredible and or just their delivery of these lines. I think that for me, the writing is really the triumph of this movie because it feels so feels so perfect. Again, like no nothing felt out of place from any of the actors like mouth, even though it was a little crazy, a little fantastical the way that he is like it right. all just kind of came together, including the voices of these very different women and like leading women characters and stuff like that so i was um i sat corrected basically about his, <laughs> who he was i guess did it uh and this is a question for everybody did any personally mm -hmm. glad to hear that megan did any mm -hmm. um dynamic or actually let's i think a good question about this like you have the three main sections the fourth being the kind of intro and outro with uh the cafe the coffee shop is there a segment of this movie a section that really stands out that is your clear favorite i would say when it's one of the darker parts there's, there's a few but i'd say one that stands out to me would be and my favorite would be the the, the car scene so he shoots him Shoot, uh, shooting marvin in the face yeah shooting marvin thank you um yeah. they go to the house i mean they don't know what to do they call they call the wolf right right and what does he do i mean he basically cleans them up and they put rugs in the car. It's like you couldn't think of that. So it's just like the okay, comedy. I was really thinking about that watching this. I was like, wait, this is this right. is the genius. It's He's very, like, okay, you guys true. gotta change out the bloody clothes. It's and very simple. Exactly. Oh. So that that killed me. Uh, was, but you're right, it's also funny, but like they're fucking shaky. They need an adult here to tell them. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I would say that scene. Yeah. Yeah, for me, 
I mean, I, not to just keep on talking about Jackson and Travolta here. I'll go for it. But when, <laughs> when they when they go into the apartment mm-hmm. and the guy eating the burger and the dude on the couch <laughs> and he just he just immediately controls the room. Jackson does. Mm-hmm. Tells everyone, calm down, calm down, calm down. He even like motions for the gentleman on the couch to put his leg back up. Like, dude, I'm here to hang out. Right. And then you know these guys are res- they don't really they don't really know what's going on at first, or maybe they do. Um, they just know they're in trouble because who's this guy and why is he asking about my food and eating my food and drinking my drink? And you just you just tense the, the how tense the scene is and having John Travolta walk behind. He's in the kitchen. It's like very laissez faire, very doing what I want. He's I'm like not- barely even in the frame when he's being when he's responding to questions, right? He's like out of focus. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's just yeah. he's just back there, like helping himself to the kitchen. They're yeah. all mm-hmm. they're all helping themselves to everything because they they're not worried. They're they're not in the hot seat right now. They right. they know that they're okay, and just the dialogue that Jackson delivers in that mm. scene is just so powerful and so good. And I just I love his intensity. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, it's just I, I think that scene in particular. I just I love that because he's just like he's just talking about his life. He's talking about stuff that doesn't even matter. Like. Yeah, I'm not allowed to have hamburgers because my girlfriend's a vegetarian, which means that I don't really get them. But I, man, do I love them, you know? Uh, yeah. Yeah. And so I don't know. I just, I, I love that scene. That scene was really good. My, my favorite part that I somehow forgot is before that, he says to Trolta, let's get into character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I noticed that this time. I know, I've never and like, noticed They are that. hanging out, like, and it's like, yeah. you're going in here to get this the suitcase, but you're going to be here exactly at 10. Like, you're not going to go through the door mm-hmm. before that. And they hang back. They're talking about him saying, let's get into character. They're like, we may be criminals, but we're punctual. All right? like, we're punctual yeah. and professional. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's a code of ethics here that would not be violated. Exactly. <laughs> I, I love that detail. Megan, same question. That's a good point. I mean, their buddy dynamic is just lovely, lovely to watch. It like, really I is, yeah. It becomes, that's also like an element of the sweetness to me is like, it's very um, fun to watch these very bro-y people like um, interact with each other and also yeah. be more sincere like towards the latter, the 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 ending vignette, I would say. I personally like the car scene too. I think it just adds to the element of like, ridiculousness i i personally like tend to favor like parody i think and like the satiricalness of it all and the, yeah. i guess ridiculousness is the best um or absurdity uh, is the better yeah. way to say it and he gets into it but in a in a still tampered down in reality but it's it's still very absurd and like it's fun to see the world through these crazy scenarios and crazy lenses and so that's a good example of of like because especially the setting it was so suburban so mm-hmm. um normal if you will and to see crazy imagery like inserted into that is really fun for me so it's like a fun visual to see um normal suburbia mixed in with like crazy tarantino stuff going on i that's that's probably like my favorite like yeah. visual element of okay. of tarantino i'm glad you said suburbia because that's another thing i love about his first three movies all take place in LA. Then he didn't return to LA until um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, which I also really like. But I love those first three movies are not a glamorous view of LA at all. Like you're you're not yeah. seeing any of the, you're not seeing the Hollywood sign in those movies. You're not seeing any tourist destinations. It just looks like a shitty California town, mm-hmm. you know, which it is. <laughs> you know, a lot it of, reminds me there's of a lot Memento. of suburbs. Yeah, exactly. Memento's Pat, like mm-hmm. that's in LA. That's in Pasadena. You know, these are suburban boroughs, basically. I've had yeah. these are smaller parts that are not exactly the 
you know, come to somebody Inglewood. Um, so I love those details of it, that that's how he presented Ellie in these first three movies. Um, mm -hmm. I gotta say, rewatched it again yesterday and finishing it today, just like you, Megan. Uh, I was surprised. Well I, I feel like I have this thing every time I watch the movie where I forget my favorite portion is actually the Bruce Willis portion. Because I kind of expect it to be like, oh, it's kind of like, you know, his weird, his dynamic of his girlfriend's weird. And then there's, you know, the rape. But I, I think he delivers his lines so great. And it, because like, there's a really weird visual thing where like Samuel Jackson, Travolta, they are very much embodying 70s movies. And then when you go to um, Butch, Bruce Willis, it's a 50s movie. It's like an older thing with his look, his aesthetic and everything about it like the the cab that picks him up is like a 1950s cab and it's throwing the boxing match it's some really old school shit there and his dynamic with fabian is so oddly sweet occasionally you have him screaming and being really mad over a watch understandable but also just picking her up soaked in blood and it's like did you get your pancakes <laughs> you know they oh, didn't have pancakes yeah. what'd you get oh, i'm so sorry yeah. <laughs> you know, we gotta go like i you know is being really angry for a moment but calmed down and regulates is like i can i can be there for her <laughs> it's like and that's an odd level of sweetness and the same with like a pumpkin and honey bunny like you don't really expect that and it's funny you know mm -hmm. like you said megan there's a kind of heightened absurdity to this movie mm -hmm. but i feel like the human interactions are fairly grounded they're just not what's usually depicted in a movie mm -hmm. <laughs> you know mm -hmm. i was gonna think of for me like what scenes bothered you the most because mm, there's a, a lot question. of intense scenes yeah. i was talking about this briefly with some buddies for me because i did see this as a child i probably saw ah. this movie when i was like <laughs> yeah or eight. i don't know if i was me too and in, in daycare <laughs> my nickname was like rated r kid by the by the teachers but like the magnitude of the rape scene yeah and uh that was just that was just something it, it almost comes out of nowhere like as as a viewer you yeah. have no idea what's going on he goes into this pawn shop they're fighting mm -hmm. he's about to shoot sure you you know pawn shop has probably got some guns to protect himself protect his property when he knocks bruce willis out you're just thinking like oh maybe the next scene the police are going to be there you know you actually you know what the police did show up the next scene but yeah. uh, <laughs> not in the manner in which you expect and yeah really bothered me as a child as much as all of that was traumatizing was the gimp mm. uh, um you're just kind of guessing what this man's life is like mm -hmm. but i'm claustrophobic so as a wow. child I, saw that, I was like this guy lives in a box are you kidding mm -hmm. me and then uh and then actually as the second time as the second time watching the movie just like today i feel like he got a little bit of stockholm syndrome when he notices bruce willis getting out of that chair He's screaming for help instead of being like, help me out. He's like chuckling at him because he's clearly seeing that Bruce Willis is trying to get free. And right. then Bruce Willis gets free. He's like yelling for the guys in the other room. It's like, dude, you should be asking Bruce Willis to let you go. Right. You know? So that scene in general has stuck with me for like <laughs> years. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. My, my yeah. read on it was the gimp was into it, but. Yeah, <laughs> right, yeah, right. yeah, yeah. That's a part of it, guys. Come yeah, on. exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, would, I would agree with you. Uh, I think it's, you know, that's, that's more intense than deliverance, in my opinion. I think yeah. we both watched it at seven, eight years old. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, like, okay, I also did not see this at seven or eight, so fair <laughs> enough. That's, <laughs> that's, that's going to plant a seed yeah Soul's walls getting sodomized was, yeah yeah was, and then yeah I just, you know what though I, i'd say the gift the gift scared me yeah as a kid i was yeah. like that's just terrifying <laughs> but maybe you're right maybe it's you know consensual I mean, the gimp is consensual is my read obviously and i will say as a uh 
queer man myself. I always don't, I don't love the uh, the gay guys are rapist stereotype, but this is also so out of left field and has the happy ending. Um, and it's still such a weird, absurdist movie that I'm not really bothered by it. But I do love the uh, the other weird level of this happy ending is Marcellus isn't after um, Butch anymore. Yeah, yeah, he I just like can't that. stay in LA. It's a really weird, like everything worked out. <laughs> but, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and one of my favorite visual references to another movie is, you know, he's seen he's driving he thinks he's scott clear and then um marcellus has the donuts and the coffee um, i don't know if you guys have seen psycho but there's the same scene where um the mm -hmm. woman has robbed the bank then sees her boss at a stoplight and then has to mm -hmm. veer around so that's and that you know actually is the thing i want to transition to is like there i think tarantino is criticized for i think unfairly is referencing other movies I and one. I think it's maybe he's a little more direct about it than other people because mm -hmm. it's like Scorsese does that. Even Hitchcock was referenced in the movie, you see, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but I think what I do like about him is like he does it in a completely different context, you know, uh, or if it even is the same uh, dynamic, everything else is so different that it really works. Like the um, the scene you were mentioning, Garrett, of eating the burger, you know, he comes in there, he's like, oh, big Ahuna burgers, and he's tasting that. Um, it's theorized that that's inspired by the opening of Good, the Bad, the Ugly, where uh, Eli Wallach is, sees the man he's about to shoot is eating stew, and he just kind of starts eating it in front of him, you know, before murdering his family. So, oh, you know what I mean? And there's so there's shot for shots, and there's like stuff like this. But for me, it really works because it's always different. It's not literally the same scene playing out the same way. Playing off what you said about yeah. placing things for like little hints. Um, I thought it was funny that I, I picked Kill Bill as my least favorite Tarantino, yet the weapon of choice by Bruce Willis is a katana. <laughs> it is a katana, yeah. foreshadowing yeah. his own movies. Yeah, yeah. I like that. I thought that I thought that was super interesting because yeah. uh, I mean, all all of the weapons he was picking were going to be pretty brutal, um, right? But <laughs> I, I mean, there's I, a chainsaw as an off. Oh yeah, that... yeah, yeah. Or even the even the hammer. I mean, the bat's one thing, but a hammer is brutal. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I don't know if you guys yeah. seen Old Boy, but a hammer is very brutal. Yeah. Oh yeah, that's a good movie. That's a great movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I just, I just, I wrote that down. I wrote that down because I noticed the katana this time. Yeah. And it just, uh, it just kind of made sense because I was thinking about Kill Bill a little bit while I was watching the movie, and I was like, oh yeah, he totally picks that. So, so Garrett, was this the first time you've seen it since you were seven or eight? No, no, okay. no. I've, uh, I've seen it more times than I can count, but I okay. probably yeah. haven't seen it. I can say I probably haven't seen it in about five years. Okay. Oh wow. Yeah. Five. I was gonna say, like, what did you misremember if it's been that long? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was just like you just don't think about it too much. This the scene that's happening before the katana is kind of yeah. Yeah, that that or that you remember. I yeah, yeah, yeah. I know multiple people, and I'm unfortunately one of them who showed this movie to their parents, forgetting that that <laughs> scene happens. And it's like I'm glad to know this has happened beyond just me. And I just watched it with my dad, so it was cool, but he was also very shocked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. you know mm -hmm. but it's a big Bruce Willis fan Bruce Willis comes out okay so he was okay with it but yeah, um, yeah. if that's happened to you right in I think this is a surprisingly common thing of having seen this movie and forgetting because you just want to be an excited kid showing it to your, your parents this is definitely one you watch alone or with friends at, like, yeah. at a sleepover because <laughs> they have the dvd of it or something exactly. from their older brother yep <laughs> that's exactly yeah, yeah. that's the perfect way to watch this you still your older brother's copy yes yes I think I was impressed like with the 
in talking about like all these crazy scenes that we were talking yeah. about, I think I forgot that Tarantino does a really nice overview of like humanity, or I should say spectrum of like the human experience, I guess, yeah. like kind of the whole thing in, in one movie. And actually specifically in Pulp Fiction, I thought, because I was, you, you're getting, you're getting like all of it. You're getting like weird, um, sweet instances as well, but also the crazy people that you don't really expect or also just overtly evil people or something like that and right. you i was kind of on the fence too i was of thinking like okay what's he saying about like the black community what's he saying about the gay community like and it's kind of like it's kind of all or nothing almost it's i don't feel like he's taking a specific um stance on it necessarily and right. we don't need him to in the movie i think i think it's more about like showing the spectrum of humanity showing these these characters like in the way that they are basically that's why i was like also so impressed with his writing it doesn't necessarily have to like take a stance beyond a soapbox about these things i don't know if that was even in the the normal like zeitgeist of a film at the time but certainly like he has has kind of like not done that and he gets to explore that in uh future movies like like a django or inglorious bastards or something like right. that but this one very much i felt like wasn't that and um i like to see that that spectrum of humanity on display through his yeah. eyes because that feels like what he's he's kind of talking about that, that, that's a great point megan i think um <clears throat> to reference somebody again i'm going to paraphrase but there's a quote from david lynch that's like if you're writing a screenplay you do not need to be worried about representing the yeah. whole of everybody like if you're writing a woman and you're a man you don't need to be worried about having the stake of writing every single woman who's existed in the voice yeah. of this person mm -hmm. just write a yeah. person you know <laughs> and i think tarantino does that these feel like very real characters to me they're obviously you know but that's the other thing is like it's not like i don't think anybody at the end of the day once you reach a certain age is like man i really want to be like vince it's like do you really want to murder somebody and then get shot yourself you know it's like mm -hmm. all the characters i think most if not all the characters say something racist at some time you know but <laughs> they're all career criminals you know mm -hmm. it's not exactly an, an endorsement for the behavior so yeah. all right yeah no i completely agree with you guys um yeah because he has been uh, a, a few directors have commented on some of the word usage uh, right. notably it would be spike lee but mm -hmm. yeah, you know i think tarantino basically said a rendition to what lynch said mm. which you just said um it's a story right right and you're trying to get as real as you can and I've been a cop for a little bit and I've met a lot of racist people, racist white guys that, that talk like that, you know, right. and I've met mm -hmm. African-Americans that, that will use that word too. It, it, it's realistic, right? And it's Tarantino's world. And um, yeah, he's not pandering to, right. to everybody. He's, he's not censoring himself. Right. Like you said, right. with much saying that as well. Yeah, exactly. And it doesn't, I mean, and I, I do love Spike Lee, but I think I understand Spike Lee being more bothered by it, obviously, <laughs> in white, yeah. but but I don't feel like he's um, he's saying it to say it, you know? It's like, this is organic mm -hmm. to the characters. And I think right. one of the times he was most criticized for it was Django Unchained, and he made the point, like, there's no way you can tell me I use that movie more than people during that time period used it during um, Slave Owners right, right, would use it. Right. And like, I'll, I just read uh, Falconer, um, The Sound of the Fury, and... Mm. I think that word comes up more in that very short book than Pulp Fiction, than even Jackie Brown. So, um, and those are the heroes. So, um, it certainly is an established thing. And yeah, again, he's he's not doing a moral character who you should aspire to be in any of his movies. You know, the closest right. you get is Django. Is there any part of this movie that to you lags? 
That's a good question. Not really. I feel, I like, I feel like everyone just knocked it out of the park. Yeah. Um, I think it's truly his masterpiece. I don't think there's any area in this film that lacked. Yeah, I can't. I can't think. Maybe for like a second in the beginning, because you're like, why are we talking to these or watching these people at breakfast? <laughs> um, but then yeah. you quickly realize why. <laughs> With that note, like Megan, you had not seen this before. Did you think that was going to happen in Pulp Fiction? Because I always love that intro of uh, how it plays out. And just Not like a freeze all. frame and Mizzou playing, we've got surf guitar over it. And they, the um, was it honey, honey, pumpkin and honey, 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 pumpkin and honey, honey, yeah, honey, honey, yes, yes, yes. How can I? Tim Roth and I don't but, know her name. Yeah, we don't see them like, or they're not part of the iconic characters like that you know in the of Pulp Fiction, even having right. not seen it. Um, like I hadn't. I'm wearing my so, Hawaiian shirt for for. Uh, <laughs> honey bunny for pumpkin rather for but, pumpkin yeah. yes yes yeah i think it was like i i just think who are these guys like where's where's john travolta in the uc uh santa cruz shirt but um right and they is the uc good, santa like, cruz shirt more iconic to you than the black suit a little uh, <laughs> yeah, almost having, yeah okay. i thought about well. that too that's yeah mm-hmm I, I mean, I really wondered if that was an Easter egg. I I, I should have known. I, I thought maybe like Tarantino went to Santa Cruz or something like that. I but... don't think he went to college. Right. Yeah, he, ah, yeah. okay. He just started making movies. <laughs> Very interesting. Very but he knows California quite well. So Yeah. yeah. That, that's kind of what it felt like. It's like a yeah. little like a little homage, a little in of somehow. Um, yeah. But they were a good, they were just a good like intro to this this maddening world i think that for me the linear or the um excuse me non-linear storytelling was kind of an interesting aspect too i like what you said garrett like the idea of it being a play helps it kind of helps guide it along especially and brings in a literary aspect of it like bringing Mm -hmm. it back to old school storytelling like um literary devices i guess and then for me like they felt very much like little vignettes until the ending and um, beginning mm-hmm. came to get like became one. Um, uh, little vignettes to like create this world more so and create like just a backdrop for these characters more than just like stringing you along to see to get to the end. I think the end comes very nicely actually, like at the the very ending and stuff, and we see where everything comes together really nicely it there was another movie that did that or that we've talked about Seth for sure um it's nothing as crazy as like Memento or um, something like that um and it's kind of nice in that way like I like the I like the pacing of it overall like in in general I really was impressed actually like the way that it all came together in the end because that makes it feel connected I guess it created this sense of like connection in this world that that I liked a lot (laughs) Yeah, it felt very intentional. And you know, going back to what you're saying, Gary, about like the, the title cards, like I think that that one, that's a really good pacing of it. Okay, we're moving on to something right now. Yeah. Like that's a fun, like that section is over, except mm-hmm. it's not really going to come back to it. But it, I think for me as a viewer, that's me like, there's a plan here, you know, <laughs> this isn't, uh, this is orchestrated to some degree. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, there's certainly movies that are vignettes that are much more loose. That's like, I don't know why you made this movie. I, I found out this recently, I, I guess among the reasons in the 70s, late 60s and 70s is a more common thing in Italy to do vignette movies is they just realized it's cheaper to have three directors shoot like a 40 minute thing mm. simultaneously than to have one full movie in production. So 
there's a, quite a few of those from that era. <laughs> and those movies are just kind of like not really that well related, <laughs> you know, <laughs> but this is certainly planned. It's orchestrated. And I forgot how much other characters interact. Like I completely forgot about Vincent interacting with Butch, you know, John Travolta telling Bruce Willis, you're not my friend, <laughs> you know, in the Santa Cruz t-shirt before we uh, fully get into um, Bruce's section. Yeah, I felt the, uh, I'm glad you mentioned that because I actually wrote that down and literally as you were talking right now, yeah. <laughs> was a little bit of foreshadowing that he provides that like clearly they didn't vibe and get along, Willis and Bruce yeah. and Vince. Mm -hmm. And then lo and behold, it's from, it's Vince's gun that Butch is holding that kills him. Yeah. I also oh, yeah, yeah. took note, and I don't know if this is just me thinking outside the box, but I felt like bathrooms really played a role in this. And a yes. lot of times with Vince, when Vince mm -hmm. went to the bathroom with Uma, she mm -hmm. OD'd on heroin. Right. When uh, when Vince didn't check the bathroom in the apartment, there was a mm -hmm. man in there with a gun. Right. When, mm -hmm. Vince, when Vince was in the bathroom of the, of the diner, he was able to come out and um, you know help out Jackson. Uh, right. And lo and behold, because Vince is in the bathroom, he gets killed. Right. Oh, I, right. I, I just I, no, I, I think, think that's very that true. Yeah. And another thing, um, Tarantino will kill off any main character. Not a lot of directors do that. That's very true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I, I think you are, especially from posters, etc. You're thinking John Travolta is probably the biggest lead in this movie. Right. And I don't think I, you know, screen time, etc. I don't think he is, but he's also killed. <laughs> um, right. Yeah. So among the most iconic things about this movie is the soundtrack. Yes. Um, is there a? Yeah, we don't even know song titles because most of them are fairly obscure. But is there a song or? A moment with the song in the footage that is so peak Tarantino to you. It's like this fucker knows what he's doing. This is perfect. For me in particular, it's just the it's just the Travolta Thurman dancing. I loved it. Yeah. It fit the vibe of the restaurant as it should have. Um, right. to me, that's just what stood out the most. I'd agree with that. Or the intro. Um, yeah. What is that song called, Seth? Uh Miserloo. It's a Thank you. Yeah. Song. yeah. I would say that. I mean, the setting's calm, right? They're they're having breakfast, and then they just jump on the table. This is a robbery. Right. And you kick into <laughs> right. that music, you're like, "Oh, we're going on a ride." Okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the uh, the, the as the credits are going, the radio shifting to Jungle Boogie. Oh yeah, you know, yes. that's great. <laughs> the one that stood out to me, funnily enough, was the um, Al Green's. What was it? Not let's get it on the other one. Uh, yeah, uh, and it's let's with... stay together. Is it that when um when uh, Ving Rhames is talking to Bruce Willis at the yep. the clip? Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's a great one. Yeah, yeah. I that's, just, well, that's also was... kind of fun to have like a, a sexy love song while he's being told exactly. your ass is going down. You're fucking washed right, right, right. up. <laughs> yeah, like, I, your ass is it. mine. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's I think exactly. you're right. That's maybe the best use of it. There, um, there's that like funny element too. Like I think the Tarantino. I think what I uh, took away like from it ultimately is like the wittiness of the mm -hmm. writing too. Like there's a lot of wit in there and. There's a lot of like double entendres, which is always so much fun, even with like stylistic choices, even with like filmic choices. There's a mm -hmm. lot of um, wink winks going on, which I, right. which was so fun, which I really love. <laughs> yeah, I got to check it out real quick because we always talk about budgets on this movie. Oh, um, I, I got it written down. It was eight you do? Million. Yeah, it was, it was eight, eight million. million. And the box office was uh, 213 million. Fantastic! Appreciate you doing that uh, research yeah. for us, Michael. But yeah, that's that's incredible, folks. That's fucking amazing. <laughs> um, <laughs> that cast with eight million dollars. That's also right. incredible. Like you, like you were saying, like people took a pay cut to yeah. work with them. Right. 
they obviously could have probably had their real check and still made a huge profit, but whoever made that decision was right. But this is the type of movie that makes me really remember how great 90s American film was as well. Yeah. Like you, you can make a movie like this that made $213, whereas um, the Marvel movie makes $213 today and the series is canceled because that's not enough money right. <laughs> you know, yeah. to cover profits. So right. um, very nostalgic for that era. Obviously, there's still great indie movies being made. Yeah, let's maybe go around the room here, the virtual room with like your closing thoughts. Mm-hmm. Like, you know what? Let's let's be more specific. What would you tell somebody who hasn't seen Pulp Fiction before? Mm, like me. Well, I could yeah. start because I <laughs> you would start. say <laughs> you, you, you're our case study. Since I am, I am that. <laughs> I would say I would say see it, of course. That's always like been my <laughs> been my <laughs> spiel when I haven't seen a movie that Seth has. I'm like, we well, gotta see it, duh. And I I think I like I come into a lot of movies thinking you know it or you you just get a lot especially with something like um Pulp Fiction or more specifically like Tarantino if you haven't seen that much about it I think you get a lot of like outsider opinions that get absorbed into you but that's um you know it's never gonna compare to you making your own opinion about it or just seeing it for what it really is and you know seeing his work and that this is his second film I'm I'm really impressed it reminds me of Memento kind of in that way because the competency of of this being like a second film for a filmmaker is really impressive and worth seeing for for that alone almost you know so that would be like my advice to to people fantastic I would agree with that I mean it in my opinion Garrett's gonna disagree with me but it's the best non-linear story like we were talking about earlier, there, there's no spots where the story lacks. I know you said City of God is your favorite movie. Oh, we're not. No, like Megan said, you got to see it. Maybe watch it alone. Um, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's truly a masterpiece, and mm-hmm. anybody can appreciate it. Yeah, I'd say. I mean, it's a long movie, so just put some time aside. But you won't even notice the time fly. There's a reason. There's a reason, Megan, that you even knew of this film because of Tarantino. There's a reason right. his name is on this piece of work. There's a reason these actors are there. Watch the film and you will know why they're there. <laughs> I agree. Well, That's so, a great way to, to say that, yeah. I don't think you can do better than any of that, but I really appreciate all the comments. But yeah, absolutely. It's going to be, I will say, well, it's long. It's going to be more fun than expected. It's going to be more rewarding. Like, it, this is a funny movie. This is a violent movie, but this uh-huh. is really fucking fun. And as much as I like a movie, um, you know, like we, we did Stalker in this show where I like a long Russian, slow <laughs> philosophical thing. This movie is just fucking fun. <laughs> it's really fun to just watch the sex, the violence, the crime that is well-written, that still describes humans with an accurate way and is very innovative. So, you know, make the popcorn and have a good time. Mm-hmm. Um all right, we're going to transition into recommendations now. Right, Garrett or Michael, do one of you guys want to start? Are we sticking with Tarantino? We don't have to. We can, uh, no holds. Mm-hmm. Worlds are always starting. This is, this is hard right now. And First we, of all, somebody over here on my left shot down uh, Forrest Gump. Love that. <laughs> Forrest Gump is going to be a recommendation. <laughs> There's two of us now. Uh, yeah, whatever. Well, uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. I, you can I still feel, recommend it. It's fine. I know. It's okay. I feel, I feel like I haven't. Oh, seen a movie that's terribly stood out to me in a while. I've just been trying to catch up on shows because I feel like mm. the you can uh, recommend a show. That's fine too. We've done that before. Mm-hmm. For sure. Okay. Uh Peaky, <laughs> Peaky Blinders. Okay. 
if you've nice. never okay. seen it it's phenomenal it is um i just finished house of dragons talk about good writing uh yeah i don't know i've just been playing catch up the boys is good but that's really 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 out there mm-hmm. <laughs> and you guys just did judge rabbit for some reason for mo- for movies that just jump out at me in the last five or six mm-hmm. years, I just absolutely adored that movie. I think it's Taika Waititi's best. I think it's yes. a, as much as Thor, everyone loves Thor Ragnarok. I think Judge Rabbit, what he did with that, was so mm-hmm. good. Perfect. You can okay, recommend cool. a movie we've done. That's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, go see Ju- go see Judge Rabbit. Enough said. Okay. Go see Perfect. That. Go see that. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, can I do a show anime? Yes, you can. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. since did like seven things. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. I would say series True Detective season one. Nice, that's oh, a yeah. great one. Yeah. Um, you you're a uh, who do you like more, Lynch, Nolan, or Kubrick, Seth? Lynch, Lynch. Okay, have you seen Mulholland Drive? Yeah, yeah, we did an episode, <laughs> we did an episode on episode. that. Check that. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, that's one of my favorites. Uh, yeah. Do you like Eraserhead? I do actually. Yeah. Okay. I okay. I I'm gonna confess this. My least favorite Lynch is actually Wild at Heart, and I still like it. But I know okay. that's a movie that a lot of people truly, truly love. In the mm-hmm. same way that I love Mahone Drive and Blue Velvet. And okay. we don't see this, like, there's not a lot of overlap with that because I know people who hate Mahone Drive and love Wild at Heart. And yeah. I don't hate Wild at Heart, but it did not work for me the same way as those other movies. Got it. I think oh, my favorite. I just kind of jumped onto another one for a second. I actually truly enjoyed um, Elvis. So, oh, yeah. Okay. But I, but I have nice. to you have a you have a friend yeah, here I, yeah, or a yeah I, I have to preface with this you yeah, heard me off yeah yeah, yeah i did that yeah, yeah it's fine <laughs> we both like to talk. Oh, wait, we're adding five minutes to your speaking time michael it's totally fine <laughs> so the okay. first the first half of elvis i was kind of like what am i watching very moulin rouge very like mm-hmm. uh weird transitions cinematography's all over the place but oh my gosh does that man deserve an academy award i know he was nominated lost <gasps> frazier but um is his name austin something austin, austin butler, uh, butler. Oh my God, his portrayal of Elvis was just a masterpiece in my opinion. And the second half of the movie is totally worth like the kind of what is going on with the first half. Um, yes. But yeah, so I was trying to think of like movies that were nominated this year. I've just been super busy with school and work wow. and like wedding stuff. No uh, that I really thought of movies I've seen recently, but I did see Elvis and I remember thinking, man, that guy's good. Now back to yes. Michael. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll stick with the Tarantino film. Um, okay. Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, look at me. Inglorious Bastards is the answer. Yeah, Inglorious Bastards. Yeah, it's a great movie. Yeah. You can also have like another three minutes since Gary interrupted you if you want. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you yeah, have seven? Seven You have six choices. other things. They don't, you can just recommend whatever at this point. It can be like yeah. food that you had that was good or. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, I saw Greta Von Fleet and Concert. They're pretty good. Okay. Nice. Those ago. It's a good band. Perfect. Food, food would be Garrett's uh, gay nineties pizza in downtown Pleasanton. Megan, have you been? Oh, not yet. Well, I had yeah, it. I I'll, had it at your your place. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Nice. It's haunted. Cool. Also, the location. Yeah, yeah. I have really? a video I can show you. Okay. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Megan, your your turn. I'll piggyback off of Garrett because I agree with you, Garrett, and with Elvis. Um, that. Well, this was a, for me, I, we talked about it a little bit with Seth, but this was a redemption movie specifically for Baz Luhrmann <laughs> because Gatsby was, looked God awful, insane, too much CGI, like, oh God, it just didn't work. And then for Elvis, I feel like it worked so much better, his chaoticness and sure there was like a little bit overuse of CGI, like, which I just, it's just hard to, um, 
to see sometimes but I feel like it just looked it looked way better um so I I still stand my Elvis I really really am like happy for Baz and happy for Austin Butler too specifically like I think he's gonna get a lot from it he did he did great I agree um my only other Tarantino besides Once Upon a Time in Hollywood which I did like also um I really like Django uh, Unchained from what I remember and I think that I'm excited to see like if he ever does more political historical satire type stuff yeah 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 yeah. revision history that's a great way to say that too Seth Mm -hmm. like that's always fun I think like again seeing that violence against like something as egregious as like slavery for me was really like satisfying and cathartic and fun and and kind of important like it must feel feel good to see that you know happening I can only imagine so I yeah in the same way that um, I liked that I hadn't seen Hitler you know killed and exactly yeah Yeah. Yeah. and and like in uh Once Upon a Time in Hollywood how he redid the the Tate murders yeah that's right yeah exactly and and Butler was in that Austin Butler was in that too he played Tex he was oh Oh, that's a great yes nice mm-hmm. he was yeah I, he does if, if we haven't if we're not all on the same page he's sticking with his original plan of doing 10 movies and for <laughs> anyone who's counting kill bill one and two he's considered as one movie because they were shot at the same time as the same story mm-hmm. but he's announced his 10th movie as i think it's been called the critic or at least it's about a female critic <laughs> and it's widely speculated to be about pauline kale who was a very influential film critic in the 60s through i think her death mm-hmm. which might have been the 90s or 2000s but i don't think any other details are out yet i'm not gonna lie well this sounds cool i was kind of hoping he would do a sci-fi because you know he did western mm-hmm. he did his straight up crime movies he did his war movies it'd been kind of fun for him to do another full-on genre movie like sci-fi mm-hmm. or horror or something and for a while he was talking about directing a star trek movie which i would have loved yeah um, i liked all the new ones wow. i like them too like I'm, I'm a big star trek fan in general and i was intrigued by what that would have been but i'll take whatever he does i think mm. he's also going to kind of cheat and then talking about doing tv um it's like oh, i'm not directing okay. movies anymore i'm doing tv series so mm. who knows <laughs> um that's kind of I feel like where a lot of money is in the market right now in cinema because it's over in my opinion similar yeah. to tarantino's he read reference in that podcast it's getting a little oversaturated with marvel movies and with superhero right. movies in general let's go yeah. back to our roots let's let's get original here yeah, yeah right and, you know there was a interview with Matt Damon recently, and I'm, I'm trying to remember where it was. He was talking about, I think people often don't understand with budgets is like the DVD market almost doesn't exist anymore. Where I saw to, the exact interview. I know what you're yeah, talking about. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And he, it's like, you almost used to be like opening day again when it was, when you, yeah. and I remember where like, I was raised middle class. I remember my parents going to Target and we just throw movies in the cart that we hadn't even heard of before because mm-hmm. it's like, holy shit, a DVD for $20. Let's find out what this is. We also didn't go to the movies <laughs> that often. So mm-hmm. it's like so many people were doing that because it was just the thing to do and you, you'd you see those ads that were like a dual ad for Walmart and whatever the fuck the DVD was, you know? <laughs> and like, I still collect DVDs, but that's just not really a thing anymore. So it really affects the type of movies that can be made. Yeah, um, my my DVD bin is now my Voodoo account. Do you ever? Oh yeah? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not too familiar with Voodoo, but we um we almost did an episode on the best streaming services, and I'm really glad we did it because when <laughs> we were going to do this, I would have made the the call that HBO Max is the best streaming service before yeah. all their weird mergers and shit, and I'm just like yeah, not yeah. releasing movies that are done. Um, Oh my. Yeah, so the reason I like Voodoo is a lot of the streaming services, including HBO and Netflix, unless they own. The, that specific movie or they they kind of developed it themselves 
Voodoo basically allows you to buy a digital copy of the film and you hold mm. it forever. The difference between Voodoo and Amazon Prime is Prime, you mm. pay an annual membership or an annual fee. Right. Voodoo is completely right. free. Okay. So once I you see. have it, once you have it, you use your Voodoo to watch your particular movie. So like for me in particular, there's movies that I hold close to my heart that like I watch when I'm at home sick or if I'm bored or I'm right. making background things up or like nostalgic films. I use my Voodoo account and I put them on my wish list and I wait for them to go on sale, kind of like a mm -hmm. Walmart or Target DVD bin. Right. So like it, my Voodoo nice. account would notify me when a movie, like most recently, I don't know if you guys have seen Bedazzled, I've been on a Brendan Fraser kick with oh, Elizabeth sure. Hurley. Elizabeth sure. Hurley and Brendan Fraser, yeah. great film. And uh, it was on sale, so I purchased it. Now I have a digital copy of it. I don't have to pay Voodoo any annual fee. Okay. Um, and I just, I can either download it directly to my phone, I can stream it through Wi-Fi or my cellular network. Voodoo, as much as it's 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 UI, its user interface is not very aesthetically pleasing. Okay. Um, but it's still, it's it's functionality is like really what appeals to me, and like wow. I like that. I like having the physical copy. The physical like, copy. I like supporting fun. small business. Yeah. I like going to restaurants. Small business. <laughs> <laughs> used to go to Rasputin's. Man, I used to live at Rasputin's, Rasputin's. just going through those sections. Oh yeah, dude, yeah. I still go there. I mean, I, I live in Milwaukee now, so I don't. But I I am uh, two blocks away from a record store that's next to a video store, so I'm frequently in there. Um, mm -hmm. just, okay, I love just that. Dump into both, but yeah, I, I'm with you. Like I. Uh, and like the Criterion Collection is great for this. They do those like great editions that have like essays and they have behind the scenes features that they'll have like a poster and all this shit. Yeah. So, right. Um, yeah. I was a behind the scenes person yeah, a I... lot. And so where do you seek it out now? Like on YouTube, maybe it's a shitty copy of it. Like, right. yeah, that, that sucks. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Sorry, we, we should wrap up. Yes. My, my pick here is the film... The Conformist from 1970, directed by Bernardo Badalucci. It's an Italian movie. Mm -hmm. And I want to bring this up because like, I don't know if Tarantino actually has cited this movie as an influence on him. But a really fucking cool thing about him is he is so open with his influences. And he's mm -hmm. really specifically always uh, referencing older movies and movies from other countries and is bringing attention to things that don't make a lot of money in America. <laughs> I really like that he draws attention to foreign films in general and so mm -hmm. i think following interviews with him got me starting down that rabbit hole at a fairly young age and to the point where i'm still finding new italian directors and films from all over the world but this is a really great movie that's set in the rise of world war ii it hasn't happened yet but it's a young man who maybe is in his mid-20s or so but doesn't really have anything going on and so decides to basically join the secret police of Mussolini's fascists. So yeah. it's a really fascinating character study. It's beautiful. It's really well shot. The sets are amazing and everything. It's very stylized, but it's just this very interesting character study of uh, a time in history I'm not too familiar with, which is the, the rise of fascism in Mussolini's Italy. Fascinating movie. Highly recommend it. So Italian directors, have you seen any Dario Argento films? I've only seen um, Suspiria. That's the best one. Yeah, I need to take a deeper dive, uh, but uh, in general, I'm a big fan of uh, Italian films. Okay. Particularly Fellini. But I haven't gotten okay. past Fellini lately, too. Well, I'm going to watch that movie. Just right well, glad, glad to hear it. Let me know what you think, but it's very stylized. Um, nice. Really cool. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, Michael and Garrett, thank you so much both for, for joining the podcast. This is fantastic. You two are welcome you, on fellas. anytime. Um, Absolutely. Let us thank know. you for being our Tarantino guest. Yes, so thank, you for, really thank you for having us. We've been, I think, to some degree, I don't want to say avoiding it, but we've been like, who do we do yeah. it with? Has been the question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, which movie do we do? Who do we bring on? So we're very glad you guys 
suggested it. Mm -hmm, it's perfect. Absolutely. All right. Well, folks, that's all for now. <laughs>